whenever it comes to music. I would much rather preach any day than have anything to do with music. And the, uh, the church up there in Missouri, whenever our music minister goes out of town, they like to appoint me to lead the music, just to torture me a little bit. Um, I don't enjoy it, but I do it. You know, I make a joyful noise or try to make a joyful noise. I smile while I do it. I don't know if that counts. Um, but I would rather preach any day than, than sing. Um, all right. I don't know if that amen is because he thinks I'm a bad singer or if he's agreeing with me. I'm not really sure, but we'll, we'll go with it either way. <laughs> so we're going to be in Philippians this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, starting out in verse number 12. Um, and, you know, we, we've cleared Christmas. Um, I know it's only two days past, but... There's just something I've already seen that some people on Facebook already taken their, their decorations down. They're moving on. I mean, some people started decorating for Christmas back in October because it was 2020. It was just one of those years, you know, you just do strange things. Um, but, you know, I am not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. Like, I can't stand them because, like, they're, I don't know, they're just fake. And I'm not picking on anybody here when I say that, but they are. Like, if we were going to wait for one day to start something, like, I don't think we ever really had good intentions to do it anyways. You know, if you're, if you're at least 50 years old, you probably at least 30 times have had a New Year's resolution to get in better shape and to save your money a little more wisely. And you've probably maybe not met your expectation pretty much every single one of those times because we just don't follow through with it. Um, and, and some people have called me a pessimist for it, but it's just, it, it is what it is. You know, if we'd rather do it later, I don't think we really have the intentions of doing it. And so I'm kind of looking at this through the eyes of another new year and what we have to look forward to. Um, but let me give you a little background on this chapter in chapter three of Philippians. Um, Paul gives a little bit of a background of himself. Um, he describes how his salvation is not about you. It's not about what you've done. Um, he talks a lot about who he was, who the Apostle Paul was. He talks about his bloodline and his heritage and how he's from a pure Hebrew family. Um, he talks about how he was circumcised on the eighth day just like he was supposed to. Um, more specifically, he talks about from being from the tribe of Benjamin, um, which was, was one of the two uh, favorite sons of Jacob. Um, and, and it was a very special tribe, one that stayed faithful to King David. Um, and, and he talks about all these things that he was born into something special. And then above all that, you know, he was, he was a Pharisee, and he kept and he observed the laws, and he did everything he was supposed to do according to the laws. Um, and he talks about all these things that he did the right way, and he didn't just do them. He didn't just go through the motions. Like, he was zealous about it. He was excited or passionate about it. And he really poured himself into perfecting who he was. And if anybody stood in his way... Like, he wouldn't dare have had it. If we look back and you think in Acts, when, when he uh, consented to the death of Stephen and he had him stoned to death for preaching the gospel, and you look at what he was, and through all that, he realized that his heritage meant nothing. That all of his good works, that his, that his perfect mindset, that his, everything that he had tried to do, that was all about him. Like he was trusting in his works, in his ability, in his family, in his bloodline, in his everything about him. And he wasn't trusting in the one thing that mattered, which was Jesus Christ. Um, and so we kind of get a background of that in Philippians chapter 3. Um, and, you know, if we look at the complete body of work of the Apostle Paul and everything that he accomplished, you know, 
He was arguably the greatest soul winner of all time outside of Jesus Christ. He was an amazing story to see that God took him from being a man that persecuted Christians, that put them to death, and then turned him into the best preacher outside of Jesus Christ himself and just used him in such a powerful way. And it's just amazing to see that transformation. And we know that the Apostle Paul was an amazing, if there ever was a great Christian, I think we could all agree that the Apostle Paul was a great Christian. But it's weird to look at what the Apostle Paul says about himself starting in verse 12. He has a much different take on things. And he says this in starting in verse 12. And I'm going to read um, a couple of verses here uh, down to verse number 19, I believe. Uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we'll get into the message here. So starting in verse 12, we'll read down to 19 and then we'll pray. He says, Not as though I had already attained... Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus." Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have um, us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have uh, told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into this. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this day, and I always thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for the opportunity to be back here in Florida at Central Baptist Church, and Lord, you know what this place means to me. I grew up here, and I got to hear preaching. I got saved here, Lord, and I'm thankful for this church, and I just pray, dear Lord, that you would just continue to use this church mightily over the years uh, to lead new souls to Christ, to send new workers out, to be uh, pastors and evangelists and missionaries. Lord, just use this place. Uh, Lord, I just pray for, uh, you know, the message that we're going to preach. I pray that it wouldn't be be anything about me, Lord, but just be your word that it'd be easy to understand. And if, Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you today as their Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day they'd come to know you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I do want to say, I just realized I jumped right into the message. Guys, it is good to be back here. It is. I am, I am so happy to see your faces, and it all, it's always good good to be here. It is. Um, you know, this is home. It's where I grew up. It's, um, it, it'll always hold a special place in my heart. And so many of you, I couldn't possibly name everybody that's impacted me. There's even people that aren't here anymore. But this place has just meant a lot to me over the years. Your faithfulness and, and your, your pastor who has been so faithful. My pastor too. He's still my pastor, even though he's, you know, he's still here and I'm not. Um, but you guys have meant a lot to me. And I appreciate everything you've done for us and your prayers throughout the year. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get into this, starting in verse 12 and keeping in mind how the Apostle Paul looks at himself. And he starts out here in verse 12. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. In other words, he's saying, you know, I haven't accomplished um, or attained anything yet. He's saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Um, I'm not satisfied with what I am as a Christian at this moment. And he's not saying that he's not satisfied with his Christianity, meaning his relationship with Christ. He's talking about not being satisfied as what he is 
as a Christian, as his walk in Christ. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of times we can get a little too comfortable with where we're at in our Christianity. We can feel like either one of two things is true. Either we failed a lot and we're no good, or maybe we just hit that comfort level where we feel like we're just doing everything okay. And we just, you know, you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, well, you, you tend to get a little bit lazy. And I'm speaking of myself here. I'm not calling anybody out specifically, but I know that's what I do. When I get comfortable, I get lazy. Um, you know, I stop pushing to go further. But he's saying, he's saying, I haven't attained anything. I haven't accomplished anything. I'm not satisfied with where I am. But then he says there in verse 12, um, he says, but I follow after. And those, the, those words there of I follow after is talking about running a race, trying to get there. Like he is pushing ahead, like he has a goal in mind of something that he wants to accomplish. Um, and even though I haven't got where I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be, I'm not quitting yet. I'm still going to keep going is what he's saying here in verse 12. Um, and as we continue there in verse 12, he says, If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Um, so he's saying, I'm trying to reach the goal of what Christ has already called me to be or do. You know, he's saying that Christ has a specific goal in mind for him. And if we remember the story of the Apostle Paul and how, how, how God revealed himself on the road to Damascus and how he showed himself to the Apostle Paul, um, we know that there, there was a very special calling um, on Paul's life. But what I want you to realize today that if you are saved today, if you are a Christian, God also has a calling on your life. And you may think, well, of course he does. I'm already doing it. Listen, I'm not talking about your career, and it may be your career that you're calling. I don't know. I'm not talking about where you're living. I'm not talking about those type of things. Like God has a purpose for you specifically in all of us, whether we're in full-time ministry or whether we're not, we have a calling in the ministry. We have something that God has called us to do. And you know, there are people in your lives that you will be able to reach and impact for Christ that other people never will be because you interact in different circles in different places and I don't know what God's called you to do it's not my place to tell you what God's called to do but I know that God wants to use you if you're saved today if you're not saved today I know that God wants to save you and then he still wants to use you it's not like you're excluded from that he wants to use you nonetheless but you have to come to know him as your savior before that can ever happen looking ahead here at verse number 13 um, he says brethren I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Um, you know, in a lot of specifically, you know, he says in verse 12, he was saying that I may apprehend. But in verse uh, 13, he says, I count not myself to apprehend. He said, I'm hoping to apprehend, but I haven't got there yet. Like, I'm still trying to get there. Um, and and I, want to I want you to realize, especially unsaved people, you know, their past often holds them up. Like, it stops them from coming into Christianity. A lot of unsaved people get so caught up on the fact of what they are, of who they are, of, of where they're coming from, of the mistakes and the sins and the things that have just held them down over the years. Um, but I want you to realize that it doesn't matter who you are. Like, it doesn't matter where you came from. Like, Jesus didn't come to this earth to die for a certain group of people. He didn't come, as he said, he said, I didn't, you know, the physician doesn't come for the healthy people. He comes for the sick people. Jesus came for the wicked sinners. And you know what? I think we can all agree here, if we're honest about ourselves, I definitely can tell you I am a wicked sinner. There is nothing good just naturally about me that wasn't put in me by God. Like, I am who I am, you know, and like, and, and I'm a sinner. The Bible tells me that there 
there is nothing, there is no way we can be too damaged to be unworthy for the love of Christ. It's just not a possibility. Romans 8.38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love extends to you forever. Like, there is no limitation on it. And I know you may be sitting there thinking, but yes, those people who aren't saved are going to go to hell. Listen, I don't believe that God stops loving you just because you're going to spend an eternity in hell. That's not his plan for anyone. He did not build hell for you. It was not meant for you. It was meant for Satan and Satan alone and his angels, but it was not meant for you and me. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins because he loved us that much. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I love that it says all unrighteousness. Because again, like there is no limitation. We like, to, we like to sit here and rank sins and think that some things are worse than other things. And listen, by my human standards, there are some things that are way worse than other things. But by God's standards, we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. Um, you know, in, in Psalms 103, 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. In other words, and I love that he uses east and west. Why? Because if you go east, will you ever end up going west? You can answer. It's okay. No, you won't. He didn't use north and south because if you go far enough north, eventually you're going to go south. If you go far enough south, you're going to go north. But he said east and west because you can never go east and end up going west. Just doesn't work that way. Um, but that's how far he removes our sins from us when he offers us that forgiveness. You know, but as Christians, we often sometimes struggle with our past, too, if we're being honest. Um, it's not just limited to unsaved people. But we have a hard time getting over our failures. And we look over our years and what we've done or what we haven't done. And, and, and you know, this, this kind of leans into my idea of the New Year's resolution. Like every year, if you are a Christian, undoubtedly, I am positive that you have made a commitment each year to probably lead souls to Christ or to read your Bible more or to be more faithful in church or to do something more for God than you did before. And I'm not knocking those commitments. I think those commitments are wonderful. I do knock the idea of always picking a date, saying I'm going to start being a soul winner when January rolls around. Well, what if it's April when you realize you're not leading anybody to the Lord? That leaves a long time, doesn't it, that we're going to fail? So I don't, I don't like New Year's resolutions for that reason. But it says this, um, you know, when we, when we look at the Bible, I want you to realize we've all failed. Like, none of us are perfect. And, and I hope that when people come into a church, we don't ever get the idea that, like, somehow that the people there are better Christians than you, that they're not failures. We're we're all failures, okay? I am a failure. I'm a giant failure when it comes to my sins, and I'll be the first to admit it. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we weren't failures, we would have never needed a Savior, but we are failures, and we fail on a regular basis, and these are the things that we deal with as we strive to be better, and this is some of what the Apostle Paul is talking about, and the Apostle Paul, what I love about him specifically in the way that he spoke is he was just real. I mean, he just told you, he said, look, the things that I don't want to do those are the things that I end up doing. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do those things. And like how many of us like can identify with that? Like that's a real struggle like that we experience on a daily basis. You know, in verse number 14, it says this. It says, I press toward the mark uh, for the prize of the high calling in God in Christ Jesus. Um, he is pressing. He is striving. He is running full speed ahead to that purpose for which God has called him to do. You know, he's going all out for Christ 
to be more like Christ. Like that should be all of our goal. And and I don't I don't think that he put this here specifically. Um, in, like he's not he's not uh, forgetting this. He's he's emphasizing. He says the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know there are prizes. There are rewards for winning things. And Paul relates a lot to sports and competition and, and the fact that we should run to obtain or run to win. And as Christians, we ought to strive to be the very best that we can be, so that when we stand in heaven one day, we will receive a crown of righteousness. That we will receive something that we can give back to our Savior. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's like saying, hey, I haven't got there yet, but I'm trying. I'm doing my best. And he's not saying it's about him. Again, he's directing it back to God. You know, and I want you to realize it's not all Paul. And it's not all God. Um, you know, and, and I read this in, in Warren. I'm not going to take credit for it. I read it from Warren we Warren's Wearsby. Um, and he said, uh, the slogan, let go and let God. We've all probably heard that before. But it's not really all that practical in everyday life. You know, imagine like a football game, okay? If the quarterback goes out on the field and says in the huddle, all right, guys, let go and let coach, okay? Like if that was his slogan they're going to get killed, okay? It's just not going to work. They're going to look like the Seminoles did this year. All right, just kidding. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I apologize. All right. So, um, but anyways, I still love you guys who are Seminole fans, Culver's, Lands, and a few others of you. All right. Anyways, we stunk too really bad a couple years ago. It happens. All right. So, but anyways, you know, they can't, they can't do that. They can't say, let go and let God and just expect God to do everything. The coach calls the play. The players are supposed to carry out the play. Well, God gives us a plan or a purpose in this life, and we're supposed to carry it out. Like, we actually have to do something to earn these prizes, these rewards, these, these crowns in heaven one day to lead other souls to Christ. Like, we have to give effort. Like, God chose us as the instrument to tell other people about Jesus Christ. That's what he chose us. He put his hand upon us for a reason. And we need to make sure that we're carrying out that purpose. Um, you know, and you aren't, you aren't, uh, sorry, in verse number 15, I got ahead of myself here. In verse number 15, it says, let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. In other words, what he's saying, he's like, listen, no matter where you are in your spiritual growth or your maturity, we should all be following the same rule, the same example. We should all be like-minded with the same goal. And that goal should ultimately be to live like Christ, to be more Christ-like. And if we look at like everything that Christ did when he was here on this earth, yes, he healed people. Yes, he fed people. Yes, he did all these wonderful things. He met their physical needs because he was trying to ultimately meet their spiritual needs. Christ was one-minded. He wanted to lead as many souls as possible to him so that they would avoid a horrible separation from God for all of eternity. That was his purpose in coming. That's why he was here. And if we're going to be Christ-like, that should be our same like-mindedness, our same goal in mind. Um, and he says here, and I want to point out, he used the word perfect again. He said, as many as be perfect. Here he's not saying the people that are perfect. He's using the word mature here. He's saying if you are spiritually mature, if you are spiritually mature, then you should have this goal and follow after and do these things like Christ. Um, but I love how he ends that verse. And he says, um, and he says, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. In other words, if you ever think um, differently, uh, if you ever hit a point where maybe you've arrived and you're not thinking like the Apostle Paul that you haven't gotten there yet, 
God will use conviction to get a hold of you. God will reveal it to you that you are not there yet. And I stand before you to tell you I am someone who is not there yet. I assume the day that I will be there is the day that I enter into heaven when God allows me to be there. That's the day I will arrive. But until that point, like the Apostle Paul, I'm going to fail daily because that's what I do. That's who we are. We have a human nature about us that we can't overcome. In verse number 16, he says this. He says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. Um, and again, that same, that like-mindedness. I think I just read that, didn't I? So I feel like I'm losing my mind up here. I apologize if I am preaching the same verse twice. I remember once, sorry, this reminds me, watching Dr. Bloom, and I love Dr. Bloom, okay? But I remember once hearing him preach a sermon and then start back over mid-sermon again, like, and just go right through it. So maybe I can do that. I don't know. How old do you have to be before you get, like, a free pass on re-preaching the same thing? Am I there yet, Pastor? <laughs> Okay, all right, so we're just going to keep moving forward. All right, so I think I already preached that point, I hope. All right, so anyways, verse number 17. Um, man, my mind's a little loopy. I've been tired. Have you guys ever noticed how vacation is never really all that relaxing? Like when you're away, like it just wears you out, doesn't it? All right, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which... Walk so as ye have for an example or an example. He's saying, hey, look for someone like me, like the Apostle Paul, someone who's trying to live like Christ, someone who's trying to do things the right way, someone who realizes that, hey, I'm not there yet. I'm just trying to follow Christ. I'm trying to give my life to him to do what he's called me to do to the best of my ability while I'm on this earth. He said, look for an example like that as opposed to verse 18 and 19 where he says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. These are ungodly examples. They're enemies of the cross, it says. Their end is destruction, um, and it says their God is their belly. In other words, they serve all their own personal, their own personal selfish desires. That's how they live their life. And if you look around the world, there's a lot of people that live life that way. There's a lot of people that go through life doing everything that they want to do, every selfish desire they have, they live it to the fullest, never once stopping and thinking that God has put me here for another reason. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He says, surround your people, surround yourself with people that want to do right for Christ rather than people who want to do wrong for Christ. And you know, we would do that with any other goal. I mean, if we want to be healthier people, like I know that like I can't go hang around the crowd that's always eating at McDonald's. Like if my goal is to be healthier, like McDonald's is just not going to get me there. Okay, it just won't. It may taste good, um, but it's just not going to get me where I want to be. If I want to be a better Christian, I need to hang around people who are better Christians. People who have the same goal, the same like-mindedness, the same desires as me. And, and, and so, like, you know, 2020 is closing. And I know the Apostle Paul said not to look back. That's not exactly what he was saying. He's not saying never look back. But I want you to look back over this year and think, you know, it's like, it's like the songwriter said, I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me. And, you know, I think that I can undoubtedly say I have not done my best for Jesus. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think any of us really can honestly say we've done our best. We all fail. But can we do better in this coming year? Oh, absolutely. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about through this passage. He's saying, hey, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to arrive, but you can do better. And you know, and I'm not telling you not to set a New Year's resolution this year. Set a New Year's resolution if that's your thing. Do it. 
But don't wait for a specific day. If you want to make a decision for Christ, if you want to be a better soul winner, if you want to spend more time reading God's word, if you want to be a better Christian, if you want to get involved in a ministry here at Central Baptist Church, then do it. Step up and do it. They're waiting for people. Listen, I haven't been here for a year and a half, like, you know, as a, as a member here of the church, but I am positive they could still use some bus workers. I am positive they still need some people to fill in in Sunday school classes and other things. And the choir probably could use more members, and, and they could probably use more people on visitation, and they could probably use more people in a lot of places around this church. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Like I said, I've been here for a year and a half, but judging by some amens I'm hearing, I'm guessing there's room for you to serve here faithfully at Central Baptist Church. And so I want to challenge you who are saved today. Guys, don't, don't get comfortable where you're at. Don't stop progressing and pressing forward. When he says pressing forward, he is running all out trying to be more and more for Christ. And that should be our goal. As we grow older in life, we should grow more spiritually. We should grow closer to Christ. And then for those of you here today that may be like this isn't all hitting home with you because maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to realize that Christ didn't come to earth so that we could have a religious holiday. He didn't come here to make you feel good about a story. He didn't come here like just, to, you know, to. it wasn't just about forgiveness. It was about a personal relationship with him. He's called us to something so much more. And, and don't be insulted when you hear me say that you're a sinner. As you've heard me say several times, I'm a sinner, okay? If it wasn't coming from me, just ask my wife. She will tell you, I am a sinner, okay? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every last one of us is a sinner. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. What we've earned for being a sinner is a permanent separation from God. And that permanent separation is in a place called hell and then the lake of fire. But it ends that verse by saying, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want you to know it's a gift. And as Christmas season is here, um, and I can say this, I won't, I won't call any out, I won't ruin any secrets or, or surprises for people, but I do want you to realize this. If you have to be good for it, it's not a gift. You're working for it. A gift is something that is given to you with no strings attached, 100% free. There is nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. There is nothing that you can do to ever be good enough to meet God's glory. We've all fallen short of God's glory, every last one of us. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to encourage you on, you know, we're celebrating still the Christmas season and the birth of Christ. There is no greater gift that you could give back to God than to accept his gift of salvation. There is nothing more that he would want for you today than for you to know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And if you have to say, I think I'm on my way to heaven, I hope I'm on my way to heaven, then can I tell you, you're not on your way to heaven. But I would love nothing more today than to stop and to talk to you and show you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And I know there'll be counselors up here up front that would be glad to do that too, uh, for you as well. So my, it's two-part invitation. Number one, if you're not sure you're saved, I want to invite you to get that taken care of today. And number two, if maybe you've grown comfortable or maybe you've decided that you're too damaged or no good or you failed too many times, realize that God's still got a place for you. He's still got a plan for you. He hasn't given up on you yet. Like the Apostle Paul realized, if you're still on this earth, he's got a reason for you to be here and he wants to use you. So won't you let that happen today? Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your